0: The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. What we're talking about is the legacy from earlier this year when a newborn baby was surrendered to a Florida fire station. The baby was put in something called a baby box, and it's a way that parents can anonymously give up a baby to authorities and it's becoming something of a trend in the United States there've been 28 babies surrendered in uh, baby boxes and another 127 in person surrenders as they're described so far this year and to tell us more about it is the founder of Safe Haven Baby Boxes Monica Kelsey Monica good morning good morning how are you i'm very good so this was this this was one of your baby boxes in ocala in florida is that right
1: Yes, uh, that was one of our safe haven baby boxes that was installed in 2018. We've since had another four infants in boxes.
0: Can you just describe how they work and what they look like and where they are?
1: Absolutely. So um, when a, basically, we put these in fire stations and hospitals. Um, in America, the safe haven laws in all 50 states where a parent can walk up to a fire station or a hospital, surrender a child that is unharmed, no questions asked, and walk away, and that child goes under the protection of the safe haven law. Well, the baby box takes that one step further and allows for anonymity. Uh, which means no one sees this parent. No one knows their skin color, their sex, um, and they don't feel judged or shamed by doing this. And so um, we basically cut a hole in the side of a firehouse and we slide a box in. And so basically this mother just kind of puts this baby through the wall of the firehouse and firefighters are on the other side of this uh, baby box um, retrieving these infants. Now these boxes are alarm activated. So uh, mom doesn't know or the parent doesn't know that um, you know the alarms are going off it's silent to them but in the inside of the fire station and at the 911 dispatch alarms are going off letting these firefighters know that hey there's a baby in in the box and our infants are picked up between 1 and 2 minutes uh, after a parent is placing them in the box and they are heated also
0: and this is i assume this is a bit like the um a much more a more sophisticated version of the way that you, you pass goods in and out of a, a petrol station at night. This, this opens to the inside then, inside the fire station, and the paramedics and firefighters just take the baby out. Is that it?
1: Yeah, that's as simple as it sounds. That's exactly right. Um, it's basically just kind of taking this infant from the outside, uh, opening one door, placing the baby down, and then the firefighters opening the inside door and pulling the baby out.
0: I can see from the mothers, because I assume it is predominantly uh, mothers who are um, dropping off uh, babies, but let's say parents just to be um, inclusive. I can see from the parents' perspective how they might want the anonymity. But is there a downside to that? That if they were in a situation where they themselves interacted with a healthcare professional, they might get counselling, they might get support, they might get guidance in how to get welfare supports that they might not know is available to them?
1: Well, and we've taken that into consideration. And that, of course, is something that we we don't want to happen as a parent to not get the resources that they want. So there's actually an orange bag inside the box that actually falls out when a parent places their newborn inside. And inside that bag is all of these resources that is available in that community. And, um... It's it's important for them because we get give them trafficking information, medical information, where they can go to get counseling for free, um, and medical care for free also, um, and still do it anonymously. So we offer counseling to parents who surrender, and we do it anonymously so that their identity still is not known even through our counseling services.
0: What ages are the babies?
1: Uh, most of them are a couple hours old.
0: A couple of hours old.
1: Yeah, we we don't very often get a child that's more than 24 hours old.
0: So is this women who have given birth at home?
1: It, yeah. Um, and th- that—that's what we target. You know, when a woman goes into a hospital and 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 gives birth, we want them to get all of the resources. Uh, and and if she wants to surrender under the safe haven law, we really push it an adoption plan. Um, but the parents that we target, the the parents that the baby boxes are targeting, are those parents that aren't seeking medical care. They're not seeking um, to tell someone that they're pregnant. They're not getting uh, services from anywhere. They're basically doing this in secret. And we. Have had a baby not too long ago, um, and this was after the Ocala baby that was surrendered in that box. We got another baby in one of our boxes that was born at a homeless camp. And so um, somebody picked up that baby and took it straight to the baby box, and that baby is now alive today because of it. Uh, so these babies, yeah, uh, I would say 95% of them are not born in hospitals.
0: Do you see it as an indictment, the fact that, there is, that this is needed? Do you see that as an indictment of... The welfare and healthcare system in the United States, and in this instance, Florida in particular.
1: Well, I do think we need to do more for mothers and children in this in this country. Um, But there are tons of resources available to these parents. Also, Um, I I think for me as a woman, um, you know, if I was in this situation, I I would probably Google everything that I could I could possibly Google and find out the resources that I needed. But some people don't have that. That uh, available to them, and so um, I, I do think we need more education, more awareness. Uh, and in a perfect world, these boxes wouldn't be needed. We wouldn't have unplanned pregnancies. Um, but you must but be
0: you a- must be looking at women and, and and parents who have addiction problems, who have mental health issues, and who have a fear of the expense of engagement with the American health system. I mean, it it is a big ask for people who are on the margins to have the capacity to educate themselves in the way that you're suggesting.
1: Well, but everybody is in everybody is responsible for themselves. I mean, yes, we can put the information out there, but I'm not responsible for a 25 year old woman that doesn't want help. And so we, we can only do so much in, in allowing these parents to to have a safe option. But, you know, I, I don't know the healthcare system very well. That is not my focus. My focus is keeping these babies out of dumpsters and trash cans, which is happening every three days in America.
0: And what caused you originally to start Safe Haven?
1: So my birth mother actually abandoned me two hours after I was born. Uh, and I grew up adopted and loved. And, you know, knowing her story of of just crisis, the crisis that she was in, um, pushed me to to want to give these parents more who find themselves in her situation. I got to meet her when I was 37 years old. and uh, And that, I think, became the launching pad for me to do more um, for women and children of this country. And, you know, if we, if we get no more abandoned babies in America, we'll shut these boxes down. Um, but I don't see that happening considering we're finding a baby every three days dead in our country.
0: How did your mother abandon you?
1: Uh, she, she was actually brutally attacked and raped and left along the side of the road in 1972. Um, and she pressed charges against a man who had raped her. He was arrested and he was charged. And then, you know, if that wasn't the worst of it, she found out she's pregnant. And back in the 70s, you know, they were hidden. They the, Their parents took them out of high school. They, an unplanned pregnancy and not married, the entire family was looked at differently. And so she was hidden for the remainder of the pregnancy and then gave birth in April of of 1973 and abandoned her child um, two hours after that child was born. And that child was me. Um, But she left me at a hospital. And that's that's the beauty of this is she went to a hospital because she knew that's where I would be taken care of. And so the parents that I help today, they want to take care of these kids. They just don't want to go face to face with someone. And so that's why it's so important that we at least offer an option for anonymity, um, especially with the culture that we have um, today.
0: And how did you come to know your own story?
1: Um, I didn't know my story until I met my biological mother when I was 37 years old. I had no idea. What, what I was told growing up was that my birth parents were young and loving and couldn't care for me, so they placed me for adoption. And uh, at 37, obviously, I learned that that was the farthest thing from the truth, but that's what my adoptive parents were told to protect me. And so, learning this really kind of sparked an interest in me because I'm a firefighter nomadic, and, and and I always knew about the safe haven. law. I just didn't realize how close my life story was to us, um, you know, being. Uh, basically, essentially a, a child that could have been surrendered legally if there was a law back there in 1973.
0: How did you emotionally unpack that discovery? Because to go simultaneously from discovering that you your original belief that you had loving parents who were, who were just financially incapable of, of um, keeping you, to discovering that your mother had abandoned you and that your biological father was your mother's rapist, there's a huge amount in that to take on board.
1: Um, I had to re-find my worth. Um, you know, I, I, was kind of hit with a double whammy, not only was I whisked into this world by violence, but I was also, you know, abandoned, um, like a bag of trash. And so I, I literally had to go back to my faith. Um, and that is, I was, I was, I grew up in the church and so that was always my safe haven, um, per se. And so, going back to my faith and realizing that I can't change what happened to me, um, but I could change what happens to others and allow them the opportunity to save the life of their child, and still get the help that they need, um, I think really became what brought me peace. Um, but I, I did struggle. I did struggle finding this out, um, you know, at, at the at the beginning. But uh, it took some time. But. Now I've found my worth, I've found my purpose, and I think we all hope one day we we find that.
0: What are the prospects for the newborns that are um placed in the the safe haven boxes? is there is there do they end up in in state care in perpetuity? are they likely to be adopted? Have you any sense of what futures lie ahead of them?
1: Actually, all of our babies are adopted. We have uh, relationships with the adoptive parents on a lot of these children, and they're growing up happy and healthy and just perfect. Um, And I'm sure their story one day um, will be one of a unique perspective, but also possibly being able to take their story and make it better for someone else. Um, Some of these babies do go into state custody. It depends on the state law, really. Um, but they're all placed with a forever family within thirty to forty five days because with the safe haven law, it's almost a um, a fast track to adoption. And so these babies are adopted. There's you know two hundred and fifty thousand families in America right now that want a newborn. So it's not hard to get these babies adopted quickly.
0: Do you mind me asking, do you do you have a relationship now with your mother?
1: Uh, I did actually. And my, my birth mom passed away. Um, I, I only got about three years with her. Um, she passed away at the age of 57, um, from a urinary tract infection that went septic. And so I got, I got three good years with her and I wish I had more cause there's so many more questions I wish I could ask her. And I I really hope she's looking down on me today, knowing that, you know, the daughter that she ultimately saved is, is now saving others.
0: Uh, the questions that you did get to ask her, what were the most important ones and what were the most important answers you got?
1: Um, you know, well, one of the, the things that sticks out in my my mind is she would bake a cake on my birthday every year and no one knew what it was for because there was a lot of people that didn't even know about me. I mean, I met an uncle at her funeral that didn't even know I existed. And so I was the family secret and she would bake a cake on my birthday every year. Just, it was her way of dealing with the loss. And that just spoke volumes to me of the love that she had for me. Um, but, uh, that's probably one of the, the, the memories that I have that I, uh, I cherish, you know, knowing that every year on my birthday, she was thinking of me.
0: Monica, thanks very much for coming on the show. That is Monica Kelsey uh, of Safe Haven Baby Boxes. And if there's anything in what Monica has been talking about that has affected you, uh, you can, of course, contact the Rape Crisis Network on 1800 77888 or The Samaritans 116 123. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.